Hi guys, welcome back to Bell Cartel Radio. This is your host, Carly Bell. If my voice sounds a little bit raspier than usual, that is because your girl has been going out okay. She's been going to the clubs. Very not like me, but you know, we're trying new things lately, trying to reinvent ourselves. So I went out last night and it was a little crazy. I'm going to get all into that, tell you guys some stories about what I have been up to, some observations I've made, and also get into a little story about, I mean, what could I call this? We could call this a murder, a robbery, and a lawsuit. My life in downtown Los Angeles. Um, It really could turn into a book, but we're just going to make it a quick little podcast episode to tell you guys the story. Um, So yeah, we're going to get right into it. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for tuning into this new episode. And yeah, let me sip my coffee and get to it. Ready? Okay. So what day is it? It is June 28th. Tomorrow's my best friend's birthday. I can't forget. Okay, we're going to text her. Um, But yes, today is June 28th, 2021. We are alive and thriving. We're a little hot. It's 95 degrees out in Boston, which is hot as hell for out here. Um, But I'm living for it, you know, enjoying it. And I have been going out the past couple weekends, trying to keep busy, you know, trying to have a hot girl summer just for now, because I am just the type of person who would rather stay home and like cuddle. And you guys know I'm such a relationship person. So it's been hard for me to just like, well, (laughs) I've been completely single the past, whatever, two weeks, um, have not hung out with anyone. Even since my breakup, I've only, I've only hung out with one person. I'm like super picky. I'm not going to waste my time hanging out with people. When I say hang out, I mean like going on a date or like one-on-one hangouts. So I haven't done that. I've only done that with one thing, one person multiple times, but that's it. Um, my friends are always joking about like, get a roster, bitch, get a roster. And I'm like, there is no one like, <laughs> I sound like such a snob. There is no one up to my standard of like the situation that I want in life available. Like I already feel like I'm low-key satisfied with what's going on. Like, I've been satisfied since my breakup. Like, it's not like I'm aching for anything. And I can just be patient and enjoy going out with my girls and, like, not looking for something. And also, I always am saying, I'm like, the type of relationship I'm looking for, I'm not going to find on Tinder or on Hinge or at the club. Like, sometimes I think you just have to let things organically happen. Um, So I'm not really looking for anything. I'm just living my life, you know. But last night, we're in the club. We were really having a great time. We met some other girls. Like, I love going out and meeting new girlfriends at the club. Even though that seems like it would end up being shallow, I think it can be really fun when you meet other women that, like, want to just, like, go out and party with you and aren't worried about, like, the whole like the guy thing, because it is rough being a girl going to clubs. Luckily, I don't go to the club. This Again, I sound like such a snob, so like, please forgive me. But I don't go to the club if I'm not sitting at a table. Like, I'm not going to stand around in an empty space with people all bumping into me and like nowhere to sit, no table to put my drink on. Like, no, we are VIP section only, honey. And even in the VIP section, it's like you have to try to not get groped. 
I had to take a man's arm and like throw it off of me. I said to him multiple times, I'm like, I have a boyfriend. I have Corona. I'm like anything to get him to leave me alone. And it was just like, he was so drunk. I ended up saying to one of my guy friends that was there and I was like, can you help me out? Cause like, what the fuck is going on? He's not getting it. Like, it's okay to shoot your shot, bro. But when you see that I am denying you, take your shot back and leave with your dignity. And so I had to get another guy to be like, yo, bro, like (laughs) they're not into it just to get him to leave us alone. And that is not necessary. So guys, you know, the vibe, you know, when a girl's not into you, I don't care how drunk you are, how many drinks you had, because I could be absolutely hammered. I've been hammered in my life and I can still read when a guy is not into it, even though I guess when I'm hammered, I'm not really like coming on to guys the way that men come on to women when they're hammered. But, you know, read the room, read her expression, the way she's talking to you. Don't, don't be one of those guys who's like touching people at the club. Um, so that's like not fun. That's kind of the part that I hate the most is like guys coming up and talking to me. And for example, a guy comes up to me and he's like, you look so familiar. I'm like, yes, people say that to me all the time. You look so familiar. Have I met you before? And I'm always just like, no, like, do you follow me or no? It's, it's cool. If you do come up to me and be like, yo, I follow you. Cool. Nice to meet you. But when you come up to me and you're like, you look familiar and act like you don't know me. And then later he comes out by being like, oh, my cousin says you're a porn star. Like he has your OnlyFans. He just showed me your OnlyFans. Like, okay, so you know who I am. Why are you coming up to me and being like, you look familiar. I've met you before. Like, I swear I know you. It's like, if I don't remember, even if you did meet me before, I guess it doesn't really fucking matter, huh? Because I literally don't remember. So it's almost like it didn't happen. But anyway, comes up to me. He's like, my cousin says you're a porn star which just, like, automatically pisses me off. I'm like, well, where the fuck is he? Like, tell him to stop being a pussy. Like, he could have told me that himself, that he has my OnlyFans. Good for him. Like, go home and jack off. What are you doing at the club? Like, I get instantly defensive because I just feel like, what did you think was going to come of this? Like, you came up to say that to me. Do you think you're going to be on my fucking OnlyFans? Anyway, this man looks me in the face and says, asks me this question, and I don't know what I was supposed to answer to this, okay? He goes, tell me the truth. Am I too ugly or am I too broke for you? And like, I'm a nice person, especially when I'm drunk. So I kind of hesitated because I was like, uh, instantly wanting to be like, I'm both. But uh, then I had to think about it and I was like, is this going to hurt his feelings? Like, why would you ask me that question when the answer is clearly both? And so I had to look him right in the face and I was like, I mean, both. And this man was like, oh, how are you going to do me like that? How are you going to do? I'm like, well, you just told me, he told me what his job was, how in 20 weeks, like, I'm just, like, entertaining this, like, weird guy, like, telling me all this stuff, because I'm low-key more sober than everyone else in the room, and I'm just kind of, like, laughing, like, okay, you want to tell me that you make, like, a thousand dollars a month, you're living with your mom, he tells me where he lives, all this shit, and then he's like, but I have a huge dick, like, my dick is huge, I will show it to you, like, I have pictures, I will show it to you, I'm like, please don't, keep your shit to yourself, like, take it out of this section, get out of here, and this man pulls out his phone, I'm not even, I'm already, like, ignoring him at this point, like, body full turned, like, a 180, so I'm not facing him, not looking at him, and then suddenly he's, like, putting his phone in my face with a dick pic, and I'm just like, is this really happening? Can you imagine a girl going out to a club and pulling out her nudes and being like, look, look, I look good naked. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. I look good naked. Ignore everything else about me and look at this titty picture that I have for you, Mr. Stranger. Like, a woman would never do that. 
Allie laughed too. She was like, what is happening? Like, why, why does he have his dick pics pulled up on the phone? Like, get us out of here. So at that point, it was kind of becoming like, all right, we need to get out of this section because there are like vultures in here. It really is that hour, like 30 minutes before the club closes when guys start being a little desperate, like throwing their shot, shooting their shot, whatever you want to call it in places where their shot will never be taken. Like, dude, go somewhere else and try to find someone more like on the level that you're on. Like maybe someone who's also hammered and can't see or tell that you're a complete weirdo. Um, I was, even when I am super hammered, I have like weirdo radar. And let me tell you, 90% of the people in that club, in any club, are weirdos. Men. <laughs> the men in clubs are typically not great. There are some that are obviously, you know, chill, regular dudes, but you got to be careful. The club is like, mm, I remember why I stopped doing it. I stopped going when I was in a relationship because it is kind of like, what the fuck are we going to do here? Like, it used to just be me going to the club and my ex just trying to like push everybody away from me because guys have no concept of personal space, of consent. Like, I'm just really lucky and glad that I'm always in the best of the situation. Like, I'll be in the VIP section. I can take care of myself. Like, no one's, like, grabbing me necessarily. And I still have moments where I'm like, oh, that made me uncomfortable. Like, that sucked. This guy's a weirdo. And I'm in the situations that would typically be the most safe or, like, the most protected. And I still go through it. So I can't imagine how the girls who were just like in the general population area last night were feeling because it was like people were banging into you. Guys will step right on your feet when you have heels on. I hate a sloppy drunk guy. And like, I mean, I get drunk. Okay. Once in a while, I'm a lightweight. So when I drink, it's like, I'm drunk, but I'm not sloppy. Like I'm not a sloppy drunk. And at the point that I ever am a sloppy drunk, I have gone way too far. And that has only happened three times in the past, whatever, eight years to me. Um, because I don't like that feeling. Even this morning, I woke up a little hungover, probably the most hungover that I've been in a long time. Um, but I didn't throw up or anything. So I was proud of myself. I'm like, you know what? I have a headache, but I'm going to get a coffee and we're going to get through it because we're a grown up now. We can't let going out ruin our entire day. Like I need to power through it. I'll go to bed early tonight, but we're not going to sleep in all day and like waste our life. So I'm trying to like relearn going out. Like we go out, we make girlfriends, we fight all the freaking loser dudes off. And then we come home, we shower, we wake up refreshed. Like it's fine. I can do it all. So now I'm going to get into my story about a murder, a robbery, and a lawsuit. The story of my downtown Los Angeles experience. So I lived in downtown LA. Um, this was two years back. So like not, not during Corona, right when Corona became a thing, I moved out of my downtown LA apartment. So it was 2019, 2020 when I lived there. Um, I lived at the watermark. See, now I can give out all this information because I no longer live there. I lived at the watermark, which is a pretty popular building downtown. If you're from LA, you might know it. If you live in the downtown area, you definitely know it. Um, referred to sometimes as trap tower. It really was a luxury building, like a pretending to be a luxury building, but it was really like a project pretending to be a luxurious building. Um, and I say that because it was like Airbnb out. So there was always like people coming and going like young college type people that were partying, et cetera, et cetera. 
one time before I get into the whole story, well, this kind of really should come after. Um, but I have like major PTSD from what happened to me while living in downtown LA. And one night after the event that created the PTSD occurred, um, someone came right up to my door and they were in the hallway and they were like knock banging on the door, trying to open my door saying, let us in, let us in. And I literally had a heart attack. I had like a panic button on my phone. Like I pushed the panic button. Like it started dialing 911. Um, and my ex went to the, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like we were asleep. We were asleep on the couch. Like we fell asleep on the couch and we wake up to someone like knocking on the door and like, let us in, let us in. And so my heart, because my paranoia, honestly, it's completely gone now that I don't have to deal with my ex, but he was like a major ball of negative energy who also attracted like all these bad things that happened to me really happened to him. And I was just there. I was along for the ride. Um, but so I automatically am like, someone's here to rob us. Like it's people that he, that know him, they're here to rob us and probably like kill me. And that's just automatically what I start thinking. And I push the panic button. It's, it's calling 911. I like run to the kitchen. I like have a knife. Like I'm ready to fight for my life. Like I'm so scared. And he goes to the door. Anyway, long story short, it ends up just being like two drunk guys, like two drunk. Also, I will insert gay, two drunk gay guys because their voices, I could kind of tell. I was like, what robber comes in and is like, let us in, let us in guys. Oh my God. Open the door. I'm like, I don't know who it is. I'm afraid of them, even though their voice doesn't really sound very threatening. Um, but it was two drunk gay guys and they were like, oh, sorry. Like we thought we were at the right apartment. Like we're in Airbnb. And obviously my ex is like a little, uh, aggressive and he's like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't your fucking door. Like, don't be like going around knocking on doors. You're lucky. And honestly, they are lucky that it was us. Um, and I will get into that because going up to people's doors in this building is not safe. Um, so they were lucky that it was just our door and that I was at, we were actually more scared. I say I, like he was deaf. My ex was definitely like shitting himself as well because he was like, fuck, now I actually have to defend her. Like someone's knocking on our door. And the way that that building is, it's like, if someone comes up to your door, you're, we were on the 21st floor. So I lived on the 21st floor. Um, and it's very dungeon like on, in the hallway, like there's no windows in the hallways. Um, it's cement. No one can hear you. Like if you're screaming, if a gun goes off, like people aren't going to hear you. And if they do, they're not going to do anything. Um, so if someone comes up to your door, like uh, you have automatic panic cause you're trapped in there. Like there's no getting out of that apartment. Um, so we were both kind of low key shitting ourselves from that. And I will get into why we were so, so, so paranoid. So here is the full story, the robbery, the murder, the lawsuit. Um, so it starts with the robbery. We were moving into the apartment. So this is literally the day that I moved into my downtown apartment. Um, we spent the whole day moving our furniture, whatever. Took a really long time, like, cleaning up our old place. So we leave our old place. Um, and we get to the new apartment, whatever. We have some of our stuff we're unpacking. And then my ex is like, I need to go get wheat. So we go to the weed place and this is not a legal dispensary. I'm like afraid to say these things. No, it doesn't really matter. Like, is he going to hunt me down and kill me? No, because you would all know that it was him. Um, so we go to this like weed spot. It's not a dispensary. It's like a freaking, I don't know how to explain it. It's like the illegal dispensary that like trappers go to. So, or wannabe trappers, whatever you want to call it. There's probably some real trappers, but he's not one of them. Um, so anyway, we pull up to the trap. And this is in downtown LA, kind of like a random, low-key sketchy area, like definitely a sketchy area 
but it's nighttime. We've been there a lot. Like I've probably been there 50 times prior to this night and it's always been fine. So he gets out of the car, he goes in to get the weed, whatever I'm sitting in the car. And I want to point out the fact that it was our moving day because I woke up that day probably at 7am and worked all day long, moving stuff, carrying stuff. So I was abnormally tired. Like I'm normally not really a fall asleep type person. Like I don't just fall asleep anywhere. I only sleep in my bed. But this one day I was so extremely tired. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat of my Jeep. This is before I had a Tesla or anything. This is when I still had my Jeep. Um, so I'm sitting in the passenger seat of my Jeep and I'm tired. I'm kind of like closing my eyes every couple of seconds, but I'm aware that I'm like out at night and like, it's a sketchy area. So I'm like, kind of like looking around a little bit, but you know, it's an empty parking lot. I'm figuring everything's like straight. We're cool. So I see him down at the end of the building. I see him open the door and start to walk out my ex. So he's walking out. And as soon as I see him walking out, I click the unlock button. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's like a hundred feet away. Not even. So I click the unlock button and I put my head on the headrest in the car. I'm in the passenger seat and I close my eyes. And literally within two seconds, my door is being opened and I open my eyes and I'm like, babe, babe, what is going on? And I turn and there is this like large, probably 200 pound, um, Asian looking guy. I remember his face very clearly. Like I would say he was maybe like Hawaiian or Asian, pretty big, um, like heavy, like a heavy guy. He opens my door and I like look at him and I'm kind of like, is this a frat? Like, who is this? Like looking for my boyfriend. So I'm like looking. And then I see that my boyfriend is like struggling with another guy on the other side of the car, like to open the door. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So this is all within a few seconds. I'm like processing. And then I'm like yelling. I'm like starting to be like, ah, like screaming. And the Hawaiian guy like puts his hand right next to my face. Like he did not touch me, but he got so close to my face and he said, shut the fuck up. Like shut the fuck up. So I was like, take anything, take whatever you want. Like, please just like, don't, don't touch me. Like, don't hurt me. Like, please just leave me alone. And the first thing I did was I took my phone and I just dropped it into the little, like the, the crevice of death in the car. You know what I mean? I dropped it in there because I'm like, the one thing I know is that they cannot steal my phone. Like if they steal my phone, we're extra fucked. As long as I walk away with my phone right now, I don't care if they take my purse. I don't care if they take the fucking car, I'll get the car back, but they cannot steal this phone. So like I had my priorities in order, right? Um, so I dropped the phone in the crevice and as this is happening, as the guy's yelling at me, they are taking my ex's backpack off of him. Um, so they took his backpack and whatever. Oh, he had like the bags of weed in his hand. So they take the bags of weed. Um, and the guy had a gun, the guy who he was struggling with on the other side had a gun. And I saw that right away. Um, but I, this was just such a shocking moment. Like I literally remember it like a nightmare. And honestly, even just telling this story right now, like I'm a little triggered because I haven't talked about this story with anyone except for my ex. And we really didn't talk much about it too often after it happened. I kind of think, so this was two years ago. And to be honest, this event happening to us, um, it changed our relationship forever. I did not blame or hold anything against him necessarily, but he definitely, I think lost like a little bit of confidence and, and felt like emasculated in a way because I saw him be robbed. Um, but I, I feel that I handled it maturely in the sense of like, I didn't think less of him. I was happy that 
he didn't at this time he did not have a gun um at least not on him or that I was aware of uh because long story short he did have a gun that I found in our house that he had hidden in our house and I knew about it for probably like six months and he would just lie to me all the time like I think I should get a gun I think I should get a gun I'd be like yeah go ahead knowing that he had one already Um, but at this time that we were robbed, he did not have a gun on him. And I kept saying like, I'm so grateful that you just like, let him take the backpack and just let it happen because they didn't beat him up or anything. Like he didn't get fucked up. Like he had some, he had like a bruise or something. Cause he like elbowed the gun. Um, but nothing like little like pussy shit. Like he was completely fine. Um, so it was a really scary moment. Um, and after that, the guys ran away. So they took his backpack, the weed, whatever, and they run, they're like running away. And I forget that I dropped my phone in the freaking crevice. So as they're running away, I'm like looking for my phone. Cause obviously in my like white girl head from the cave, I'm like, Oh my God, we need to call 911. Like just instantly. I'm like, this guy just like almost punched me. Like we need to call 911. Right. And I'm like looking for my phone. I'm like, they took my phone. They took my phone. And as soon as I say that, my ex, like, puts the car in park and literally starts running at, like, he gets out of the car to, like, run after them. And within, like, a couple seconds, I'm like, oh, wait, no, never mind, never mind. I found it. I found my phone. We're good. Get back in the car. I'm like, get the fuck back in the car. He thinks he's going to chase them. First of all, they're already in their car. And secondly, they have a gun. So, like, you're not chasing them for my phone. Luckily, I didn't even lose the phone. Um... And also in this like assault and robbery, the guy who was on my side um, with his hand, his fist, so it wasn't just his hand, he made a fist and put it right next to my face and told me to shut up. Um, And so I kind of did. I didn't really shut up because I was in such shock. I was screaming. Like I really was like screaming. Specifically what I remember saying is take whatever you want, take whatever you want, because I just felt like if they want to take shit, go ahead. Just please God don't let these men make me get out of the car and like lay down on the ground or something. Like I was really spinning through all the possibilities. Like I'm going to, something's going to happen to me. They're going to do something to me. That's my, was my fear. Um, like kidnap me or some shit like that. Uh, so luck, thank God it really was not as bad as it could have been. People go through way worse robbery situations. It really was like a quick hit and run situation. Like they showed up, they took the shit, they ran away. Um, And so we start to pull away. We drive away. I'm like sobbing. Like I'm sitting in the back seat. I like jumped into the back and I'm sobbing, sobbing, sobbing because right prior to this happening, my mom had come to visit us. Um, and she, I swear my mom's a little bit psychic. She probably would not think that she is, but she says things sometimes and then they end up being true. And she was like, I'm worried. Like, I don't want Carly going with you like to that place. Cause my mom knew everything. So she knew that he was going to like the trap on a very, very regular basis, if, like every single night. And in the beginning, I would go with him all the time. Like that was our only time that we like really enjoyed together. Like we would go for our nighttime drives, like drive to the trap, do a little smoke thing, like, which looking back on it, I'm like, that was what I considered fun. Like that is so sad. But anyway, that was our like fun was going to the trap. Um, and my mom was like, I'm worried. Like, I don't know. Are you sure Carly's going to be okay? Like sitting in that parking lot, like nothing's going to happen. Right. And he was like, I promise I won't let anything happen to her. Like, don't worry about it. And so instantly, the first thing I said, which 
if I was saying this to a therapist, I'm sure they would be like, well, that probably made him feel even worse. Like, yeah, it probably did. So I say to him, you promised my mom, you fucking promised her, like, you wouldn't let something happen. Like, I can't believe you. I can't believe you were so unaware. Like, why would they, they, meaning like the guys who run the trap, I'm like, why would they let you walk out alone? Like, did we get set up? Who was it? So we instantly go from going through the situation and like being scared and like, oh my God, they snatched his necklace, like right off his neck. They re- He reached across me. The guy on my side reached across me because he, my ex had gotten into the driver's seat. So it was kind of like a struggle for him to get in, but he did get into the driver's seat and the other guy ran away once he got the backpack. So then the guy on my side was kind of just trying to make sure that they stole everything of value and was like looking around. And then he was like, give me your necklace and like reached across me because it scratched me. That was like the one thing that like the one injury that I had, he ripped his chain off of his neck and like it whipped it like whipped when he like pulled it away and it scratched my arm. And then his like drawstring to his hoodie got stuck on the guy. So the guy was like pulling the draw, the drawstring right out of his hoodie. And anyway, which we, I helped it. I like pulled it to like get it out. I was like, pull the fucking hoodie string and we ended up going back there like the next day or two and it was on the ground the hoodie string um but so he got his chain stolen he got the backpack stolen whatever we go through this like traumatic event and then within a few minutes we're like wait who was that and did they know us and was that a setup and like what the fuck so it wasn't like we didn't feel that it was a random occurrence because clearly whoever was there knew that it was a trap spot. They were there mostly to steal the weed um, that he was coming out with, which was just, like, so not worth it possibly having been, like, a murder situation. And that's why I say I'm really grateful that my ex did not have a gun because he's such a dumbass. He probably would have, like, shot someone or they would have shot him. Um, And either of those situations would have just absolutely sucked. So I'm glad that it wasn't as bad as it could have been and that he didn't have a gun on him. And that's kind of a situation, like, people always say to me when I tell them, like, oh, I got robbed in L.A., they're like, you need to have a gun on you. And I'm like, no, what you don't understand is, like, if I had a gun on me in that instance, like, it would have been a shooting. That's the thing about guns is, like, it can be good, yeah, but also it can escalate the situation for no reason when it does not need to be escalated. So I do feel it was a blessing in disguise that he didn't have one on him at that time. Um... So as soon as we're like driving away, like I'm sobbing and we're like, we don't want to go to our new apartment. I go, don't go there because they could be following us. So then we're so paranoid looking back on it. Now, those guys took the shit that they stole. They jumped in their car and they went in the other direction and drove like a million miles away, like away from us. They were not trying to follow us. Um, and of course I'm like sitting in the backseat, like we need to call 911. My ex is like, are you fucking stupid? We're not calling 911. I was just at the trap buying weed and we got robbed. Do you think we're going to call the police and be like, we got robbed for weed? Like, and I go, okay. I mean, I guess I know what you're saying, but I'm like, but they like were mean to me too. Like they're bad guys. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, if they just stole the weed from you, I wouldn't be suggesting 911. But the fact that the guy opened my door and got all in my face, I'm like, no, he's a bad man. And I feel bad because then it was like every time I saw like a heavier Asian looking man, I instantly had like, a tr- I was triggered by that. And I was worried like, oh my God, is it him? Like he, cause I kept thinking they're going to recognize me and I won't know them. And like, what if I see them? What if they live in our building? What if they're at the restaurant when I'm picking up my order? Like, 
my paranoia went so crazy. And like looking back on it, I really should have gotten therapy right after it happened. But I did a lot of the like, you know, denying the trauma because I kept thinking, well, I didn't get hurt. Like they didn't punch me in the face. They didn't shoot anyone. Like it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. That's what I kept saying to myself. But the reality of it is like, that was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Like I've never been taken from, I've never had something stolen from me, let alone, you know, in such a scary way, like them invading my space, opening the door. So then I was like also very paranoid about being in the car. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why I was like interested in getting a Tesla because I knew that the door handles were like weird. I knew they weren't easy to open and I knew there were cameras like all over a Tesla. So that's also was part of the catalyst for me getting a Tesla. So there's a blessing in disguise because I do feel like having Tesla's changed my life. It makes me feel like a way safer driver, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh Oh, this is getting long. So long story short, we get robbed, right? It's the first night that we're supposed to stay in our new place. We still have the lease on our second place. Um, it, it ended maybe a week later. So I'm like, don't go to the new spot because I'm afraid they're following us. So we go back. So we lived in Hollywood prior to living downtown, which if you're from LA, you're probably like, what is wrong with you? So I moved from Hollywood Boulevard. Literally, my address was 55 Hollywood Boulevard, 5550. And then I moved to Watermark Tower. So it was like from one terrible situation <laughs> to the next. Um, so we go to Hollywood instead of going back to downtown. And we get into our apartment. And the one piece of furniture that we hadn't moved yet was a dresser, like a big ass dresser. So I literally pushed the dresser in front of the door. Like I locked us in because I was so paranoid. I'm like, oh, they're going to come for us. Like, because they stole a lot of his shit, but he had cash on him that they did not steal. Um, so then I was like, oh no, like they're going to come back for more. Like they know that we have more than that. Like they didn't even really take anything. We didn't have that much on us. Like they really just took the weed and his backpack, which I bought the backpack anyway. So he basically lost nothing in this situation. So the backpack got stolen and I had a matching purse and he ended up stealing that matching purse and giving it to the new girl. Anyway, so that's also why that story is kind of triggering. It's like he stole the fucking purse that matched the robbery backpack and then gave it to the new girl. Like what's wrong with you? Anyway, moving on. So there's the robbery part of it. So that's where my PATSD and my paranoia and my trigger things really started to come from when it came to like getting robbed or like not trusting people. Um, and it took us probably, I think it was like a month, maybe two or three months later, we found out not exactly who it was, but we kind of pieced together that it wasn't, um, a specific attack on us. It was an attack on that location. People who had obviously been shopping like at that trap, just put two and two together and we're like, dude. We could just sit out here with a gun in the car, hop out when someone comes out with their weed and just take it from them and drive away. It really was like too easy. So after that occurred and happened to us, they did change their security. They ended up having like armed security walk people out um, after that situation happened with us, which is good and probably what they should have been doing the entire time. But anyway, <laughs> glad I could make it safer for the trappers out there. Um, so that happened. We are very, very paranoid for months, honestly. Like, both of us were individually fucked up by that. I was fucked up because I felt like, what is my life? Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to the trap. I'm getting fucking robbed. Like, why did I move to L.A.? That's really how I was feeling. And then I think my ex was really, it made him insecure 
for sure. Um, we would even talk about it up until when we just broke up two months ago and we had like our whole, like the night of the breakup. Um, he brought that up. He was like, I don't remember exactly. I honestly blacked out a lot of that conversation because it was so terrible. He blamed me for his friends who passed away. He blamed me for that, which is just like unbelievable. And basically blamed me for like, for my reaction to the robbery. He was like, you, I don't know, like that I was dramatic about it or that I made him feel bad. Like that I wasn't like a down bitch because I wasn't just like bounce back after getting robbed. Like after getting robbed, I was highly paranoid. I was like, protect me, protect me. That's also one of my things in a relationship is like, I, especially, I think that maybe you could say that that's like a daddy issue or like, not necessarily. I think most women want that, but whatever it is, it's something from my childhood. Like I really desire being protected and like cared for and defended. And I felt that he didn't do that good of a job at it. Um, not even that it was in that moment. Cause like in the moment of being robbed, it's like, I didn't expect him to do anything other than what he did do, which was like, try to get in the car and try to get away. But then after, instead of like saying, I'm so sorry that this just happened to us. And like, I love you and I'm so sorry. And it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. You know, all the easy things to say. He didn't say any of those things. He was mad. Like he was pissed off. He was sad for himself, like a lot of self-pity, and he never looked at me and was like, I'm sorry that this happened to us. I could say that to him. Like, I'm sorry we had to go through this. He never said that to me. He never apologized for it. He basically blamed me for having emotions about it, even though I knew he was fucked up from it, too. Um, so that's also kind of why we were so paranoid when the people knocked on our door um, at our new apartment. So we did eventually move into the downtown LA apartment. We spent that night in Hollywood um, with no furniture. I don't even remember. I think we slept on the floor. Maybe we had like some blankets or something. I really don't remember. Um, all I know is that we got home and I pushed the dresser in front of the door and just like sobbed. Like I got in the shower. Oh, see, it's coming back to me. I got in the shower and I sat on the ground in the shower and I cried. And he actually came in. I remember he came into the bathroom and like looked at me. And instead of being like, honey, like, come here. Like, I love you. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, we're going to be okay. He was a jerk. Like he really was an asshole. Like looking back on it, he was like, you need to get a handle on yourself. That's what he said. You need to get a handle on yourself. Like then give me a Xanax. Cause I'm not okay right now. Like I was having a panic attack. Um, I had a lot of panic problems and like anxiety after this situation. And it continually, like it went on all the time. Like I would be paranoid when we would go in the car in the morning to like go get a coffee, I would have a panic attack. Um, and instead of, you know, being supported, I was really like belittled about it and gaslit. And I didn't know that until now. Like I do look back on it and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's not how a normal, that's not how a boyfriend who cares about you acts. Like when you have anxiety and it's not like I just suddenly became an anxious person. Like we went through something terrible and then it, turned into an issue for me. And instead of him recognizing that and just trying to support me, he was really irritated by it. Um, so anyway, we get robbed. We move into the new place eventually. So we're living downtown. Uh, the apartment was cool. Would never live there again, but it was fun to be in a high rise building. We had a crazy view. We could see like the Staples center, the whole corner where all the crazy shit in downtown LA happens. Um, so we, you know, got comfortable there. And as the time went on, I think it was maybe 
three, four, five months into living there. Um, we're out for a drive one day. We get a flat tire, right? So we get a flat tire. This is, um, we got the Tesla. So we had got the Tesla. So right after the robbery, probably a month later, I think we went and ordered the Tesla. Does that make sense? Um, I'd have to really think about the timeline, but around, you know, two months later after the robbery, we got the Tesla. So we went out for a drive in our new Tesla. I say the word Tesla way too many times. I should be sponsored and we get a flat tire. And when you get a flat tire in a Tesla, it is way more annoying than getting a flat tire in a regular car because you can't just call any tow truck to come give you a new tire or whatever. You have to call the Tesla people. So whatever. It ended up taking a very long time. Like we pulled over at a gas station. We were sitting in that gas station parking lot. I don't know, like three and a half hours, maybe four hours. So as we're there, we, my ex gets a phone call and he answers and it's our neighbor. And our neighbor is like, where are you? Like, are you here? Like, are you okay? And we're like, yeah, no, we're not there. Like, what's going on? My cat is at the apartment. So I'm instantly like, what the fuck happened? Thinking there was maybe an earthquake and like they had to evacuate or a fire. And anyway, long story short, the guy was like, I don't know what's going on, but they had to like evacuate the building. And like, there's a SWAT team, like they're going through every floor. And our neighbor had a ring camera. So he sent us a screenshot of the people in the hallway outside of his door. So it's an LAPD cop with a giant, like, assault rifle. Assault rifle. An assault rifle. Um, like, a big, giant gun. Like, standing in the hallway, like, right outside his door. And he's like, yeah, so everyone had to evacuate. Like, we're not really sure what happened. Um, but you can't even get in the building right now. And I'm like, the cat, the cat. Like, what happened? Like, I need to make sure my cat's okay. Like, I will go in there right now. Like, the SWAT team can walk me upstairs and I will get my fucking cat. And I'm, like, going all crazy, and my ex is like, relax, relax. And long story short, we find out someone got murdered in the elevator. So someone has gotten, someone has been murdered in the elevator. Anyway, we end up seeing screenshots. Am I even allowed to talk about this shit? Yes, again, I always get paranoid. I'm like, if someone listens 37 minutes into this podcast, then they deserve the tip. Um, it's kind of like dry snitching in a way. But we see, like, these screenshots I ended up seeing with my own eyes, supposedly, allegedly, a screenshot of the person who was the murderer. Um, and apparently a lot of people knew who the guy was. He never got caught. Um, he lives in downtown L.A. And it was some type of drug deal gone wrong, a robbery. We're, we'll never know. Like, who knows? Only the men who were there know exactly what happened. But long story short, the guy... One guy came up to a door. He had a glove on his hand. So we see, like, all the screenshots from the ring camera. And he has, like, a blue glove on his hand, which, uh, if you don't know, you would wear a blue glove on your hand when you're going to shoot someone or hold the gun so that you don't leave any fingerprints. Um, but the guy who had the blue, the blue glove on his finger is also the guy who ended up dead. So he went, I am assuming, to rob someone or whatever it was, and instead of robbing them, he got shot in the chest and then ran to the elevator and died in the elevator. Um, and the poor girl who worked in our building, I almost just said her name. I don't think I can. I, I won't, just so I don't get sued. But anyway, the girl who worked in our building had to give him, like, CPR. Like, there's videos of, like, this guy, like, bleeding out in the lobby. Like, he got shot in the freaking heart. And they're, like, trying to pump his chest, trying to give him CPR. Anyway, RIP, the guy died. And our poor office girl was freaking traumatized. Everyone in the whole building was low-key traumatized. And the thing about Watermark is it's almost 50-50, um, 50% trappers, like literally 50%. Even my grandpa came to visit and he was like, 
oh, there's a, like quite a lot of, uh, he didn't even know what to call it. He was like, kind of like, uh, he said my, my ex's name, he was like, yeah, they're all kind of like him. Like they all like, yes, they're all like drug dealers. I know. Um, <laughs> not that you can necessarily tell that from someone's outer appearance, but like in LA, you low key can. Um, so it's about 50% trappers and then 50% rich business, like older, kind of like bachelor pad vibes, like for 45 year old divorced single men that work at like banks and stuff. Um, downtown LA has a lot of like big office buildings and like whatever businessy stuff. So all the poor, like traumatized business people are like in the lobby. The news is there. It was like a whole situation. Um, it was like swatted off, like all around the building. Long story short, us getting that flat tire and not being there was a miracle because we would have been there. We would have been inside our apartment and all of a sudden the SWAT team would have been knocking on our door. Cause that's what happened. They went to each person's door. Um, cause they were trying to find the killer. They never did. Um, they suppose they have no video evidence. Like they couldn't figure out who it was. And that's probably because the guy went down the stairs, the stairwell. I'm glad I don't live there anywhere. The stairwells have no cameras. Um, and you can get into them from the parking garages. So as long as you can like slither into the parking garage, which you could, um, and manage to like not really be seen on camera or like, you know, not be very seeable. Then you could just go right into the stairwell and walk right up the stairs. So I believe this was on the 20th floor and I lived on the 21st floor. It might've been the, Oh, I'm wrong. Let me correct myself. It was the 23rd floor directly above us. So the way that the building is lined up there is like, there's apartments on all four corners. So we had a corner unit. And so directly above us, two floors, the 23rd floor, we could see the actual detectives through the reflection because there's all buildings surrounding you. So in the reflection of the, of our neighboring building, we were watching, I had my binoculars watching the detectives go through the apartment. Like we could see everything. Um, they actually went out on the balcony and we were sitting on the balcony smoking. So like the weed is going like right up into like the detectives. They're like shining their uh, flashlights down, like looking, trying to like see what's going on. It was really a crazy night, but thank God that we got that flat tire. Cause if we had not gotten the flat tire, we would have been home at the time of the murder and someone would have come and banged on our door and said LAPD. And I don't think you understand if LAPD came and knocked on the door, I genuinely think my ex would have had a legitimate heart attack. Like, I don't know what would have happened. I probably would have fainted, um, out of like paranoia and fear. I would be like, we're going to jail. We're going to die. I don't know what's going to happen, but thank God we weren't there. And I do, I had cameras, um, in that apartment. So I was able to pull up my camera, check out the cat. The cat did not care. She was just like laying in her regular spot. Um, Pia has been through so much. I always say that to her. I'm like, girl, you were there for a murder. You've been through earthquakes. She's been flown across the country. Poor Pia has been through so much shit. But anyway, so that was the murder part. So robbery, murder. Okay. And wait for it. The cherry on top of everything. I've been making little jokes about getting sued, but long story short, I did the suing. <laughs> so there was a case against my building after this murder um because basically the murder should not have happened it was so expensive to live there it marketed itself as like a luxury building with high security um and the reality of that building is that there was no fucking security there were security guards and i feel bad for them because they were so overworked underpaid understaffed um 
all coming back to the building management or whoever owns that building, like just did an absolutely terrible job at staffing it. Um, so there was a civil case or civil lawsuit. I don't know what it's called, but basically me and like 15 other of my neighbors um, were in a lawsuit to sue the building. Um, it kind of, I believe it is still going on. Like, is it settled? I don't know. I haven't gotten my check yet and it's been quite a while. Um, but ironically, little fun fact, the same lawyers who are working on the case against Watermark are also, I think they were like Pop Smokes lawyers or some such, some type of situation. They advertised that to us. They literally like sent us a thing. We're like, oh, just so you know, like your lawyer is also Pop Smokes lawyer. Um, so yeah, we are suing the building. I'm still waiting on the check, but essentially there was a case because they did not protect anyone in the building and then the way that they handled the murder after was like very sweep the shit under the rug don't talk about it they should have sent out like an apology to everyone they didn't um so yeah now I'm in a lawsuit can't lose anything really just hopefully gonna gain some extra money the way I looked at it I was like this I'm just gonna like put into my therapy fund because I fucking need it now after living in downtown LA being robbed seeing someone be murdered essentially um and then also having to sue the building that did not protect me so it was a very eventful time living downtown I think uh downtown LA carries like a very heavy energy I don't want to say necessarily it's a negative energy because I do think that there can be some fun there and you know but in general I mm, downtown LA is not for me. If you've never been to LA, that should not be where you stay at. Like if you need to stay in a hotel, like don't stay downtown, stay in Beverly Hills, be a snob because it really does make a difference. Downtown LA is dark. It's heavy and shit is not a joke out there. Like it's not a joke. People will rob you. People will plot on you. Like it's fucking scary. Um, so yeah, it really changed my life and my perspective forever. I, feel a lot better now that I'm not with my ex in the sense of I don't look over my shoulder as much. Um, I don't have any bad blood with anyone. Uh, but I know that, you know, when you're around people that do, you have to be careful. So I'm just glad that I'm not around anyone anymore that has beef or has issues or carries like a bad vibe. Like I feel like I'm exuding a lot of like happy energy, loving energy, and just trying to only attract good things to myself, um, which has already proven to be true just in the past, you know, month, two months that I have been single and moved out, uh, from that relationship. So yeah, that is my downtown LA story. I really could get so much more detailed and into it. I feel like that was a little all over the place, but yeah, I haven't really thought about it in quite a long time. I've never told the story because when we were together, I actually asked him, I was like, we should do like a interview, like a podcast, me and you and talk about our story, like living downtown and like the robbery and the murder. And he was like, no, like we're not, we're not telling people we got robbed. I'm like, I'm not embarrassed by that. And that was the whole thing. I wasn't embarrassed that two grown ass men robbed us at gunpoint for two ounces of weed. Why would I be embarrassed? That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's embarrassing for them. 
I guess. I mean, it's not something to be embarrassed about. Like, it's just an event that happened. And you can feel upset about it. You can feel scared, whatever. But it's not embarrassing. Like, there's a lot of other emotions you should feel. And I think for him, the number one emotion was embarrassment. Like, he felt emasculated, embarrassed, like, whatever the words you want to throw around are. Um, but that's why I never spoke on this before because I respected that. I was like, well, I don't want him to be like mad at me if I make a podcast episode talking about it. Like, I don't want him to think I'm telling people he's a little bitch. Um, now I do. (laughs) Now we can say he's a little fucking pussy ass bitch. But anyway, we're over it. We, I was going to say we hold no anger, but like, no, it's a little soon. We hold a pinch of anger. Um, what was done to me is just like still so shocking. Like I literally can't believe it. I think there will be a day where he wakes up and is just like, damn, I did that girl so fucking dirty for no reason. Like, I never cheated on him. I never even opened a DM. And that's what I, like, always say. I'm like, do you guys understand how many fucking messages I get? Like, not to brag. I just mean if I was a man and it would be, like, being a man and J-Lo or fucking, like, Playboy Bunnies, like, who, whatever these, like, desirable women, whoever you could think of, that's me. I'm a girl and I'm getting these messages from these men who to everyone else, like they would jump at and like answer these DMs, like Trey songs, like ridiculous. Like I could name drop so many people that I never responded to. I would laugh at it. I would be like, look, you know, this basketball player, like he just sent me like a whole paragraph, like offering to take me out. Like, isn't that so funny? Thinking it would make him feel proud of me. Like, wow, my girlfriend is killing it. Like she's doing so good at her job. Like social media is her job. She made it into a career. She has like my freaking childhood basketball idols DMing her like, but that's my girl. She's so loyal. That's what I was thinking in my like naive head. So like now I realize if I ever am in a relationship again, like it has to be with someone ridiculously confident, which I don't want someone cocky. Like I don't want an asshole, but I do want someone who's like, I'm not worried that Trey songs DM'd you because you're fucking mine and, and be able to trust me. Like I enjoy being loyal to someone. And that's why it hurts so bad to find out that my ex not only wanted to break up with me, but was cheating with me, cheating on me with a girl who works at the dispensary, like some bum ass broke girl. It's not about what girls look like either, because I would also, again, this sounds shallow and snobby, but like, I don't think like the new girl's not necessarily pretty. She does not have a great body. Like there's nothing that she has that I don't have, et cetera, et cetera. It's how the girl makes the guy feel. And with me, I know that my ex felt insecure and like a little broke ass pussy bitch because I made the money. Like I made ridiculously more money than him. Um, I never felt any type of way about it. I never felt like I was bragging. I never, I felt so humbled by it and excited. And I would always say, what's mine is yours. This is our money. Like I'm making this money for us, for our future, for our kids, whatever. I was never trying to rub it in his face. That's the opposite of what I was trying to do. And it just doesn't matter. Like it's, if someone feels insecure about something, there's nothing you can do to fix it. So I know that everything happens for a reason. This little 